0: Welcome everyone to our Sunday night edition of BAMS Radio here yet again. Uh, I'm your co-host, Judy Armand. As we always try to bring you BAMS Radio during the season of Alabama football every Sunday night this year. Uh, I'm with my co-host and the wizard behind the curtain, Thomas Watts. As always, he's got us up and powered and going. Uh, We always appreciate uh, what he does for the show. And And we'll hear a few thoughts from Thomas as well during this program. Also, Our third cohort, a noted insider and a national champion in 1992. And from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, William Redfish Barger. And we've got to break down uh, the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, advancing to their fourth straight national championship game in a shootout. As no one surprised, 45 to 34 over the Oklahoma Sooners. They will face again uh, for the fourth time in the five years of the playoff, the Clemson Tigers. And for the third time in the national championship game, Alabama and the Tigers of Clemson, both 14-0, will take the field. So they will be a 15-0 team uh, in college football for the first time, and they will face each other January the 7th, 7 o'clock Central Time in Santa Clara, California. And to break it all down, I'll bring William Redfish Barger into the conversation. William, uh, I I think the game played out like a lot of people thought I had forty-nine to twenty-seven, so I was relatively close. I felt pretty good that Alabama could hold them under thirty for and for a while. It looked like that was going to be very possible. They played well on defense, I thought, for two and a half quarters. But as we've talked about before the season and even during, this is a defense that's good but but thin in some places. And I thought they got really gassed, and then losing Christian Miller to a hamstring injury. One of their better pass rushers, eight and a half sacks. Had a sack early in the game. Didn't help either. But I thought uh, that uh, overall, though, besides the the injury to Miller and uh, and a, and a couple other uh, you know things that we'll talk about where they had some issues, I thought overall, especially offensively, it was a great performance by Alabama.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, and I, you know I also think that you know I think I had the, the final score being thirty eight to twenty four. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I thought it was going to be pretty tough for um, Alabama's defense to keep them from scoring points. Um, but the, uh, you know, I thought the, you know, if you look at the final score and how it played out, certainly Alabama contributed to, um, you know, Oklahoma having the ability to extend drives with stupid penalties. Um, you know, I think the, it's going to be an interesting to see. Um, how Alabama can perform uh, defensively I think versus last night versus uh, next Monday night I think the high in the San Francisco area Monday's forecasted to only be 60 degrees so with it Mm -hmm. being a nighttime kickoff it's probably going to be in the low 50s upper 40s so you know the the humidity I don't think will be near as big of a factor and I think it affected both teams not just Alabama you saw you know, Oklahoma, you know, getting a, a rash of injuries and some cramping issues and stuff. So, uh, but, but I thought all in all, it was a great performance, uh, Alabama, you know, I think you've already said this, Drew, I think, you know, the only thing that kept them from scoring more points was mental errors and, and poor execution on their part. I agree. I think Oklahoma really only stopped them one time and, uh, You know, agree with the the Alabama defensive side of it as well. I thought in the first half they did a great job of, you know, staying in their pass rush lanes, keeping Murray from extending plays. But, you know, really, if you look at that game last night, um, you got to give a a tip of the hat to to Murray. Uh, Basically what he was able to do was all Oklahoma was able to muster offensively. I mean, it was a one-man show. Um, Alabama did a great job of, of containing their running game, which was supposed to be one of the keys of their offense with their offensive line and supposedly some good running backs that never really materialized. Um, but but I thought it was a great game plan on both sides of the ball. You know, things kind of got a little, you know, ugly in the second half for the defense. You saw, Like you said, you saw Patrick Sertain kind of have his first breakdown of the season Um but, you know, I'll take what he brought to the table all season long as a true freshman. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for him going forward as a, as a defensive back for Alabama in the next two years. So, um, all in all, I was impressed with what they were able to put together. Um, you know, they, uh, that's, that's always been an offense or that style of offense that's given, you know, Nick Saban and whoever his defensive coordinator's been, uh, difficulties going all the way back to you know Tim Tebow, Johnny Menzel, Cam Newton. You know the list goes on and on. So um, I was pleased with it. I've got no complaints or gripes whatsoever.
0: Well, and I thought Kyler Murray uh, did some great things with his legs. He rushed for over 100 yards in the game, and uh, very elusive kid, very quick. I think we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with him as a passer. I know he threw for over 300 yards. He, I thought Alabama did a good job overall of not giving up big plays except for the one-explosive deep ball. Uh, I thought he was inaccurate a lot, but he is a hell of an athlete. There is no question about that. And he did make some plays throwing the football. It, of course, it didn't help him that he didn't have Hollywood Brown, at least what well, he did, but it wasn't Hollywood Brown that we're, we're used to seeing. And uh, uh, he wasn't healthy. But, of course, Alabama had several guys that were out too, especially a a couple of their best pass rushers uh, in Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen. But I thought Tua Valoa was nearly perfect. Uh, Personally, I thought the officiating was atrocious. Uh, I thought, you know, uh, overall, that they took a 30-yard catch away from uh, Jerry Judy down the sidelines. And I thought he caught it, then got his foot in. And then the ball may have come a little bit loose after he stepped out of bounds. But to me, he already had the foot in. It was already a good catch. Uh, so, and I, and and overall, William, I know you've played in chippy games like that in your career at Alabama and, and of course, in high school, but I thought the officials did a poor job of policing the game and let it almost get away from them. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, it was, uh, you know, obvious from the, you know, the, the pregame warmups, um, you know, where Shane Beamer got you know, kind of scolded for standing in the, in the tunnel clapping in players' faces when they were coming out to warm up for the game. Um, You know, the, you know, I didn't think that Lincoln Riley did a very good job of, you know, controlling his sideline and the way the players were going on and on. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, when you feel like you probably, you know, despite what you, you think on the surface, it's what you believe deep down in your soul. I think Oklahoma knew they were probably overmatched in that game. And, you know, some of that stuff was, was gangsmanship to try and get Alabama um, rattled and, and make mental mistakes, which at certain times it was effective for Oklahoma. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was not impressed with the officials at all. There was, you know, multiple holds. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how that was a hold on uh, Jedrick Wills. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, you see that, that technique basically used on screen passes and um, um, you know, tunnel screens and stuff like that all the time. I mean, uh, but but it is what it is. Um, you know, I thought that uh, you know it was a really great uh, game plan by by Mike Locksley, Alabama. Agreed. Was very balanced. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they were methodical and you know took their shots when they you know. And I thought the you know Herb Street kind of did a good job of pointing out that. Um, you know, those, those slants were there for the taking and time they wanted to dial them up, and it was certainly probably the most successful play uh, throughout the whole game for Alabama. Um, you know, thought to uh, let, let one get past him there towards the end, miss, miss seeing Josh Jacobs on mm-hmm. that same pass. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it was a, a great, great performance by the Alabama offense. You know, they uh, utilized their three running backs. All three had success. Um, you know, got all four of the wide receivers and and Irv Smith incorporated into the game. Well, I was expecting to see maybe a little bit more um, of Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He was, you know, more legitimately banged up off of Josh Job running into him on that punt return or not. We just didn't see a lot of him after that. So um, we'll have to see how that plays out going forward. Certainly I'm not trying to say that Waddle's going to be hurt going forward, but maybe he was, you know, just a little bit more shaken up um, than what it first appeared to be, because that's that's the least involved we've seen him probably um, since the month of October. So, uh, but that's the good thing about when you've got a, a wide receiver room like Alabama has. There's always people there that are ready to step up and, and pick up the slack.
0: Yeah, and uh, William, I wanted to ask you since you played offensive line and uh, play, and, and we're all SEC, freshmen all SEC, and you've you've seen what they. I, I thought the the, the call uh, uh, with Jedrick Wills when they called back the throw and catch to. Irv Smith with the illegal formation. To me, it looked like his footwork may have been a little off, which led to it. Was it or was that a bad call after you watched it and maybe re re rewatched it? Was that the right call by the official or was that another bad call?
1: Well, I haven't had a chance to watch the replay yet, but just, you know, from watching it live, um, I, I don't really know if they were accusing him of lining up in the backfield or a false start. Um. You know, again, it could have gone either way, like a lot of those calls did last night. And, and all in all, I think Alabama probably came out on the plus side um, of, of the calls last night. But just, uh, I think that was an ACC crew. And, you know, you've yeah. heard all season long how bad their officials are. And um, certainly, uh, I think they proved that theory to be true last night. But, um, you know, it's kind of an uncharacteristic. Uh, string of mental errors there by Jedrick Wills. He's an intelligent kid, both on and off the field. One of Alabama's, probably Alabama's second best offensive lineman for sure. And um, you know, had a had a you know a little string there that probably killed that scoring drive. Um, but you know, you can't take away the. And it's kind of like Patrick Sertain's performance last night. Um, you know, you can't really take away what his body of work's been all season long, just off of that off of the mental errors last night.
0: Yeah, it's a great point, and and the thing that bothered me more was Alabama had been doing a good job in the Wildcat all year, and even earlier in the game, and then uh, twice uh, with Jedrick Wilson. As you said, Jedrick hadn't been doing that. Uh, he he's fault starts, and it was just uh, third down and or excuse me fourth and in an inch, uh, and then Damian Harris does the same thing on third down, leading to a field goal. It just was amazing to see some guys. And Damian Harris is a very intelligent kid. Some guys, I, I guess, that usually don't make those kind of mistakes making them.
1: Well, but, you know, it's human nature um, when you get up to the level that Alabama had gotten up to um, in the first half. I mean, it's just human nature that, that the, the gas pedal naturally gets eased off on in, you know, internally. And I think that probably played a part of it. Um, you know, in the execution on offense and also with the effort and um, production that you saw on the defense in the second half. Certainly, I think the humidity played a part in it. I mean, um, and this is certainly not a, a, a ding on Quentin Williams. I mean, he plays balls to the wall on every play, but um, you know he was gassed having to go get oxygen um, and, and being substituted. I, I also think that's going to be a, um, a bonus for Alabama going forward because of his conditioning or lack thereof this year. I think Fidarian Mathis has gotten a lot of uh, important game reps and relief of Clinton this year, and I think he's going to be a really big force next year, uh, specifically versus the run and run situations. Um, I was a little surprised that LeBron Ray, um, with what he had done uh, during the month of November and in the SEC championship game, you didn't really see more of him last night, uh, maybe in relief of Isaiah Bugs, who may still not be 100% with that knee hyperextension that he suffered versus Auburn. So, Um, I I was a little bit, um, you know, baffled by the D-line rotation at certain points, but Mm -hmm. uh, it was good enough to get the job done and and have a convincing win um, against, you know, who a lot of people think is the most dangerous offense in college football.
0: I thought Federian Mathis did some good things, William. I thought he pursued well, and uh, he hasn't had to play a lot of snaps because of uh, how dominant Quentin Williams has been, but when called upon yesterday, I thought he did a nice job.
1: Yeah, you know, he's done that all year, and I think he's a guy that, you know, I think when they can get another year in the strength and conditioning program out of him and maybe pair him down another 10 or 15 pounds, you know, you can see the effort. He's a high-motor guy, pursues plays from sideline to sideline. Um, you know, I think he's a guy after one more year of development, you know, in the in the program, he's going to be a big player for the 2019 season, along with uh you know LeBron Ray and and the, the the scout team player of the year and Christian Bearmore as well.
0: Yeah, he really will and I can update us uh real quickly. I usually don't do NFL updates, but this is a this is a major one with Alabama ties and ironically Oklahoma as well. The Baltimore Ravens tonight had to win to win the division uh to uh win the uh the AFC uh, I guess it's uh, it, uh, help me, Thomas. Is it? The, it's the That's AFC the North. North. I was gonna say North. Uh, nice. they uh, the AFC North. They are the champions, twenty six twenty four. The uh, Cleveland Browns were driving, trying to ruin it for them and kick a field goal. Uh, down two, but C J Mosley, who's about to be a free agent, although they may franchise him, but C J Mosley intercepts Baker Mayfield to ice it as Alabama beats Oklahoma again. Uh, And Baker Mayfield had a hell of a rookie year, made them competitive. But the Baltimore Ravens are now the AFC North, thank you, Thomas, uh, AFC North champions with a 10-6 record. They have clinched a playoff berth. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, looks like they are going to be eliminated. They are. They are done. The Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts play tonight, and winner goes in and the loser goes home as Derrick Henry is trying to lead. And Rashawn Evans, who's had a hell of a second half of his rookie year now that he's healthy at middle linebacker Tennessee Titans and Indianapolis Colts getting set to play here in about an hour or so. But I uh, just wanted to quickly update those listeners uh, who may not, did not did not see this. I know we, it's a recorded show, but just wanted to put that Alabama spin in. And it's the last season as general manager for the great Ozzie Newsome who uh, wins a division title going out as Lamar Jackson gets them to the playoffs. So just wanted to update that really quickly. I agree with William's thoughts. Uh, you know, I was surprised LeBron Ray didn't play more. William, I'm going to ask you this. I know he played this position some last year due to all the injuries. Do you think there's a chance LeBron Ray could play some Jack linebacker on third down or so in the game against Clemson?
1: Um, You know as we segue into the Clemson talk um especially i guess for the first two and a half quarters of that game yesterday afternoon i i i am not so sure that this this may be Clemson's weakest offensive line that we've seen Notre dame was really able to control their running game and uh, you know unfortunately uh that that is kind of a, a byproduct of if you if you choose to make somebody one dimensional and um, they, they start attacking what may not be your strength. But I thought Notre Dame's defensive line and their whole front seven did a really good job of, of controlling Clemson's running game and limiting it yesterday. And, um, no, it would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me to see him use LeBron Ray in some first-down situations at Jack Linebacker. He's certainly, um, you know, quick twitch enough and sudden to play that position. He, Like you said, he's done it in the past. Um, you know, and I think it's... You know, it's going to be the the the, the same I think uh, um, mountain to climb decision to make at the top that Nick Saban tends to always segue to with the older, more experienced player. Um, that'll be a tough decision for him to make. Uh, you know, versus the youngster that's not really experienced at that position, versus the you know somewhat proven vet, um, Jamie Mosley. Um, you know, who they decided to go with last year um, through the playoff run. It would be interesting to see. In in, in this particular game, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, you're going to have two things to look at. Um, You know, if if they can do it with Jamie Mosley versus the run um, and run situations, I do think they're going to probably have to use somebody that's a better uh, pass rusher in obvious passing situations. Um, you know, like you said earlier, do they choose to, you know, use LeBron Ray there? Do they choose to use Dylan Moses? Or do they, you know, take a chance on a guy that's probably got the most, you know, upside potential with suddenness and and and, you know being able to get after the quarterback and and buy a Noma. Um, although you would take a chance on, you know, which he's proven in the past, as good as he's gonna be down the road, he does have a tendency to Loose containment at times. He does have a tendency to get out of position. Now, that, that's not really going to be at a premium versus a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's he's certainly not as stiff back there in the pocket, but but he isn't the run threat and doesn't have the ability to really extend plays on a consistent level like a Kyler Murray does. So, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting decision um, that has to be reached over the next uh, six and a half days between Nick Saban and Tosh LaPoix.
0: And before we go back into Clemson, and as we're wrapping up kind of Oklahoma-Alabama, I thought the offensive line played well. Of course, we understand that the front seven for Oklahoma is not very good. This was not a great defense. But I thought Lester Cotton played well back in the starting lineup after the suspension, and he will not be eligible. For, it will be a multi-game suspension for Deontay Brown, for, uh, of course, Elliott Baker, uh, and, and for Kedrick James sounds like it's any they, they failed an NCAA test. So, but I thought, you know, his experience, I thought he played well. Uh, and I thought the offensive line as a whole, besides the the one bad drive with Jedrick Wills and those mental errors, William, I thought they played well, uh, uh against Oklahoma. What were your thoughts on the group and Lester Cotton, especially who has been criticized a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I was expecting that. I mean, uh, Um, You know, Oklahoma didn't have the the best front seven that Alabama's offensive line has seen all season by a long stretch. But, you know, they did a good job of protecting Tua. They opened, uh, you know, big holes for the three running backs. All three had success. Um, You know, I mean, and I'd have to go back and look and see. But, I mean, I saw a couple of times, I don't know what his name was, but number 72. Yeah. um, And maybe it's just his number. Uh, but number 72 for Oklahoma, if he's not a converted offensive lineman, then there's something really wrong um, with the defensive techniques that Oklahoma's D-line coach is teaching because the guy looked lost. He mm. was getting in a four-point stance one minute, a three-point stance the next, kind of in a in a, in a, a woods bathroom squat position. Um, just didn't look like a, a guy that's been playing the position for very long. So I'd be interested to know if that's somebody that's – you know, had to have been converted from the offensive line, especially wearing that number 72 um, number uh, because of guys that they've lost to injury. I just don't know, but just, you know, wasn't very impressed with uh, Oklahoma's personnel and their front seven, Um, you know, to get pressure. They were having to blitz people and, uh, you know, they've, they've changed coordinators and, uh, you know, I think they've got to do a better job going forward of finding, you know, better players. I mean, you know, so you can change, keep changing coaches all you want to, and certainly their schemes need a lot of work. But, um, you yeah, know, I just think they need better players along that front seven to, uh, you know, accentuate and help protect what's going to be a, a really – we've seen them now with two different quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley and, and Baker Mayfield and Tyler Murray. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to continue, even playing in the Big 12. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, like the, the big team, the big 10 teams run into, um, when they get into the playoffs, um, you know, being, being built for that particular league is great. If that's all your goal is, is to win mm-hmm. the league championship, But man, when right. you take that next step up in competition, um, you know, you've got to be built better from the ground up. And that's certainly something Lincoln Riley, as he goes into year three is going to need to focus on.
0: Yeah. And I, Imani blood. is the kid's name. And, I know uh, I saw him seem like he uh, was uh, getting run past, getting run over. I saw he was in the middle of some plays, but usually on the losing end. Uh, I see what you're uh, talking about there, William. And I I agree with you, too. I thought uh, Mike Loxley, except for the one three and out drive, called a hell of a game. Uh, I thought they I really liked the way they attacked. uh, You know, as I said at the beginning of our show, uh, they ended up with you know uh, rushing for exactly 200 yards, which is what they needed to do. They needed to be balanced. I thought Najee Harris might get a few more cut touches because I heard he had a great bowl preparation, but uh, he still did a nice job with the six carries he got. They gave Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs quite a few carries, and of course, if Tua Tagovailoa hadn't been MVP offensively, it would have been Josh. He rushed for 98 yards, nearly 100 on uh, you know 15 carries and did such a great job. He's such a great receiver out of the backfield, Liam. I really like the way Alabama attacked with those swing passes, and I felt like they didn't do that against Georgia, and I think we talked about that on the show.
1: Yeah, we did, and I think that's probably something that Mike Loxley, looking back on the season, I'll, I'll, you know, although he hasn't really needed it probably, except for the Georgia game, uh, but I think that's something that Mike Loxley wishes he would have utilized probably early and off, more often is that two-back set that they utilize with, with uh, you know, either Damian or Najee and then, you know, having Josh in there and, uh, you know, running those swing passes, you know, getting him involved is the change of pace back has proved to be devastating. And certainly I expect it to be a, a big part of the game plan, um, you know, for Alabama, uh, you know, going up against Clemson. And, you know, I think that's going to be an, an interesting storyline um, you know, going into this game, you know, who's going to be at more of a disadvantage defensively in this matchup? Is it going to be Clemson being without Dexter Lawrence? Yeah. Or could it possibly be Alabama without Christian Miller?
0: And then, uh, of course, we thought Miller could try to play on third downs. Uh, it could be interesting. Uh, we'll see. Going to be tough. Uh, but like we've said, we could see LeBron Ray in a new role. And LeBron Ray is a football player. I think he can help them. And And William – Uh, As we kind of – we're going back and forth here, but it's mostly talking about Clemson and kind of equating what we saw against Oklahoma and what we might see against the Tigers. Talk about in a little bit more detail what they might do with LeBron Ray. You said he's quick twitch, but what might Alabama do with LeBron Ray to maybe offset the loss of Christian Miller? Because we know LeBron Ray can rush the passer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, one of his best plays all season long – was against Georgia, I think with 18 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter when, when Georgia was trying to make their you know their last-minute drive there to tie the game back up and send it to overtime. LeBron had an excellent sack against Georgia's stud left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who's going to be a top-20 draft pick um, next year. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a guy that doesn't get beat on plays like that. And, you know, he didn't do anything special. I mean, he speed rushed to the outside, came back under. Uh, But but I think he's the guy, if if you're really looking for, in my opinion, who can give the team the best chance to win and and shut that Clemson offense down um, or slow it down, I should say, it it would be to play LeBron over there. I mean, he's 290-something pounds now, um, still has a lot of speed, um, can hold up against the run. And um, to me, I think he gives Alabama the, the best chance defensively to be successful just because of the three guys that you could you know talk about Ray, Mosley and Anoma, you know, I think he's going to be the guy that could end up being the, the three down player there. Um, and certainly in, in certain situations if they' are, you know if they scheme out of their base or, or you know in a situation in the rabbit package where Miller's been in as an edge rusher, you um, you know, Ray could come in and still spell, you know, Isaiah Bugs like he has throughout the course of the year. But I just think he's the guy that you have to circle for this matchup with what Clemson brings to the table offensively. Um, you know, a lot of their pass plays, um, especially if you watch the game yesterday, um, take a long time to develop. They're off of play action. You know, they're looking to hit those big. Uh, you know, seen passes and, and deep posts down the middle of the field that you saw them expose Notre Dame's safeties with. Um, I think Alabama will have a better chance of matching up with you know T. Higgins and Justin Ross because their safeties are much much more athletic than what Notre Dame brought to the table. You saw Xavier McKinney was the defensive MVP last night, um, but I, I just think it's it's you know a twofold situation. I mean, Alabama's got to be good in their coverage. Um, down the field it's going to be a, a heavy mix of you know and I, I think it's pretty predictable Drew I mean you don't have to really worry about a, a dynamic tight end uh, like they faced in the last two games with Oklahoma's guy last night and then Werner and Nada for Georgia you know he's just kind of a guy you know he's 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 not a threat so you know you're going to see basically what what everybody knows you're going to see him you know, challenge Sertain and Smith with 50-50 back shoulder throws, 15 to 20 yards to the sideline. You're going to see them try and get Hunter Renfro, which they've done for the last four matchup, three matchups, I should say. You know, on third and six, he's going to be running quick slants and crossing patterns. And then, you know, the home run plays are pretty easy to see as well. So, you um, know, I, mean, I think the good news is, is, is none of their receivers are – Um, what i would consider you know deep burners they're big Mm -hmm. physical guys which is going to be kind of a different uh, matchup for alabama they haven't seen these guys probably since uh, old miss um, which they did a great job with um so you know i think it's uh you know first of all they're going to try and take away the run to keep the old miss from being um you know multiple and trying to keep them off balance and if they can take away the run then it just comes down to a you know, a, a, a coverage in a, in a chess match, so to speak, with, uh, you know, a, a Clemson's offensive coordinator. And, um, you know, you can tell what he's going to – they're not going to change who they are just for this game. They think they're good enough to, you know, score points on anybody. But, um, you know, they've got to rattle Trevor Lawrence. They can't allow him to stand back there in the pocket for days on end and, and give those guys a chance to get open. Uh, because they are going to be tough matchups because of their just they're big guys, big physical guys. So um, I, I think the you know the two things on, on Alabama's defense are going to be at a premium: is, is a a pass rush and, and, and b um, you know the receivers not I mean the DBs not getting lost in coverage. They've got to you know kind of know what's in front of them and and also they've got to be ready to challenge those 50-50 balls, which seems to be a huge part of Clemson's offense.
0: Yeah, they are, and uh, and and William, I will say this uh, just, and I'm gonna bring Thomas into the conversation, but I want you to talk about it first. You you've made reference to it earlier in our conversation, but so you believe that I know you weren't super high on Georgia's offensive line, even though they're talented, because they didn't have. You thought you felt like, except for the left tackle, you felt like they had other guys that, especially on the on the right side, and then even some of their guards that weren't great players, but. Uh, I do think you, uh, you've you also never never been high on this Clemson O-line. I know Travis Etienne's had a heck of a year, but do you think the weak spots for Clemson uh, are their offensive line and then the secondary? And, and what other weak spots have you seen with them in your mind?
1: Well, I mean, I think on defense they're a one-trick pony. I think they've got a great defensive line. Um, who, throughout the course of the season, I think um, – they're great pass rushers, you know, and I right. know, you know, and all I can do is base it on the stats, you know. They're not in the top twenty in, in rushing defense, so, and I think that probably has a little bit more to do with with the linebackers um, than it does the defensive line. So, you know, I think Alabama's got an opportunity here, you know, if, if the O line can handle their part of the matchup with the, with with Clemson's defensive line. Um, I do think that Clemson's linebackers and sec- secondary is susceptible. Um, you know, and, and let me say this. I wasn't trying to paint a picture where Georgia had a bad offensive line. Right, you right. You go throughout the course of, of the season and you see the number of times, if it was just an outlier that happened in one or two games, um, it wouldn't have been a sticking point for me. But great offensive lines – you know, don't, don't get their asses packed against defensive front sevens like Missouri's, uh, like LSU's. Uh, certainly Florida manhandled them on the goal line, four straight plays. Auburn did the same thing to them. Um, you know, I, I think that you can, and especially for a program that seems to predicate their offensive line evaluations on size, um, you know, and you saw in the fourth, latter part of the fourth quarter, you know, they weren't athletic enough um, to sustain drives and, and, you know, keep Alabama's offense off the field for making that comeback. And I kind of feel the same way about Clemson's. Um, you know, Mitch Hyatt is a pretty good pass-blocking left tackle, but he's the same player that he was as a senior in high school. He doesn't generate a lot of power at the point of attack. Um, he's not an elite run blocker um so you know i think if alabama you know maintains their gap integrity if wilson and moses don't overrun plays i think alabama should have some success um stopping clemson's running game and um, i think it's all going to come down to alabama's ability to put pressure on trevor lawrence and not let him have the ability to find receivers that are getting open late um you know in the play i mean they need to you know, get back there. They didn't put a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray at times last night, which I think was um, a byproduct of, of the weather and the D line being gassed. So um, I don't think that's going to be an issue Monday night, but um, I, I don't think that um, if you look at the team as a whole, I think Clemson's offensive line and their secondary, are obviously the two units that I think that can be exploited.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree. And the- I just felt like Notre Dame didn't exploit them enough there uh, in uh, the through the air with the in book and their receivers they didn't have quick twitch enough receivers uh, but certainly uh, and then a uh, the key for Alabama is they're gonna have to stop the run and, and slow ATM like they did Oklahoma's and make them one-dimensional and Kyler Murray struggled at times because they're gonna have to move uh, you know Trevor Lawrence off the spot I thought he'd started slowly but he certainly showed his arm talent he can make some big time throws and Alabama's secondary is going to have to play better william i i, I it was the first time we've seen certain struggle but uh he's got a lot of talent i i would expect him to bounce back and hopefully use that as a learning experience
1: no no doubt and uh you know i think that that's that's the thing i think you just uh you know kind of touched on what i think a key for this game will be you saw alabama on both sides of the football last night get off to a fast start. Offensively and defensively, they look prepared. Uh, they look motivated. They look like they were into the game. And, and certainly I expect them to be that way, you know, playing for a national championship Monday night. But that's that, That to me, is going to be a key in this game, is which one of those two teams on both sides of the football can start fast. And, you know, for Alabama, it's it's going to be Mike Loxley's job to put the team in a, in a position to, you know, extend drives, get first downs. Um, You know, I I think, you know, if you look at at what, and certainly this was a long time ago, Clemson had a different quarterback. But, you know, if you look at the success that a, you know, a guy that I still think is best football is in front of him, and he's got some good wide receivers. But if you look at the success that Mond had uh, for Texas A&M early in the season, I don't think Clemson's secondary has improved all that much since that September matchup. And and I thought that, uh, good Lord, the guy that a lot of Alabama fans were clamoring to be the offensive coordinator, I thought Chip Long dialed up one of the worst game plans I've seen in a long time offensively last night. It was obvious that Notre Dame um, was not going to be able to line up and impose their will and have a lot of success running the football and whether you trust your quarterback or not, you still got to you know roll the dice and take a chance on, you know what's your best way of staying in this game and and keeping your offense on the field. But it was mind numbing to me to watch the play calling last night on Notre Dame side offensively versus versus Clemson the defense. It was almost like, you know, maybe they got long on the payroll over there or something huh. at Clemson because he, he he was playing right into their hands defensively. And um, I just don't think Mike Loxley's going to uh, fall for the same same stuff.
0: Great, yeah, absolutely. And I'll bring Thomas Watts into the conversation. Thomas, uh, you do a great job with metrics and analyzing matchups. First, just kind of give your wrap on the Alabama Oklahoma game and uh, how you see it transitioning and translating to what you saw at Clemson against Notre Dame, and and we've seen what's happened in these other three matchups with Alabama.
2: Well, uh, I'm going to have to mea culpa my thought because I I truly believe that Notre Dame had at least enough talent to make a game of that, and uh, I was obviously dead wrong. I will say a lot of the struggle, or a lot of what Clemson had success on when they got up 23 to three was fifty with fifty fifty balls that Clemson yeah. wide receivers yep. won, and that I, I, I'll get more into Clemson uh, Alabama in a second. I just want to explain something. When Julian Love, the best corner on Notre Dame's team, went out with either a head or a hamstring injury, depending on who you believe and what you see. (laughs) Right. Uh, And talk about a ridiculous situation. As that goes on, I'm like, um, not a good look for you, Brian Kelly. But okay, moving on. Notre Dame had to roll coverage to try and essentially help Dante Vaughn, the third corner or the fourth corner, the best, the number one backup, essentially. And that put stress elsewhere. And so you did have one long pass that way. And then Dante Vaughn got straight up beat for two of those long touchdowns. But anyway, uh, that my mea culpa, I was wrong. Move on. Now, talking about Alabama-Oklahoma, statistically, it went just about the way I thought it would. Right. Oklahoma averaged, I believe before this game, 8.7 yards per play. They were in the realm of about six, which fairly well matches up to Alabama's defensive statistics, their percentages and all of that. Um, Honestly, I don't like the statistics in this game for a very simple reason. I'd never expected Alabama to come out at just 21-0 before everybody's taken a deep breath. I don't think Oklahoma expected that because Kyler Murray was frankly losing his mind for the first 12 and a half minutes of that football game. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley didn't know how to react to it with his... And this, I, I lost it when I heard this in the post-game press conference with Lincoln Riley's, well, we outplayed him for 43 minutes. I'm like, well, okay. And yeah. th- I'll just repeat something I read on the internet. It's like, well, I shot 36 on the back nine, but that ignores the fact I shot 60 on the front. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I feel like from that point on the way alabama chose to attack oklahoma fundamentally changed and that manifested itself in that alabama was perfectly content to sit on the ball you know particularly once it became 28-10 then i feel like alabama's like all right and, and nick saban wisely recognized that his defense is going to struggle stopping this offense even though there's a big lead let's sit on it let's run the ball let's shorten the game and that really hasn't been Alabama's M.O. throughout the year. Alabama wants to come out, get up 50 on you, and then put in the backups by the start of the third quarter. Because of how this game transpired, I feel like a lot of the statistical stuff that's coming out of it, it is – I almost toss it out in my head. Because its such, it was such a weird game in and of itself, uh, I will say – Twenty-six of twenty or twenty-four of twenty-seven is absolutely ridiculous from a quarterback perspective. And that performance by Tua Tonga Vailoa actually plays into how I feel about the Clemson game. And when I look at the Notre Dame personnel, I felt like, and this this is borne out, they don't have a lot of speed burner guys. Right. Big wide receivers, you know, they're six 4 they're 6 of. They're essentially, you know, they're, they're putting the Harlem Globetrotters out there and having them play football. Well, Clemson matches up really well with that because they've got bigger corners. Well, okay, Alabama's not going to be doing that. Alabama's going to rely on shifty guys. And something that y'all didn't really get into, but I think is going to be a big key for the Clemson-Alabama game, is the health of Devontae Smith. You know, Devontae Smith had been slowed with a hamstring injury throughout the vast majority of the regular season. I believe he had. He injured it in the Missouri game. So what did and what did that mean? It meant that Oklahoma was giving Alabama inside releases all the time. Well, you can kind of clamp those down if the wide receiver is a little lazy in the break or doesn't run a sharp route or doesn't have a lot of explosive, you know, a lot of explosive speed. Well, you saw Devontae Smith, because he was given a free release, was just wide open half the time. And, you know, Alabama's play sheet could have literally been, we're going to call 60 RPOs, and we're going to score 100 points on Oklahoma, because Oklahoma couldn't stop it. Well, I think that's going to be a big thing against Clemson, because I don't think the Clemson secondary is very good. I think Clemson deserves a lot of credit for blowing teams out, but a lot of those teams— are just horrific in terms of overall talent. The ACC is hot garbage. I think Will Muschamp should be ashamed of himself for getting shut out.
0: Awful. Like, Awful.
2: Yeah. I mean – How does that happen? I, 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 you know, you want to talk about bombing a program back to the Stone Age? Congratulations. Here's a hammer. Here's a chisel. Go back and build your program because now it's nothing but rubble. Right. That was just That was just embarrassing.
0: He is who we thought he was. He's a mediocre head coach who can't figure out the offense, and Thomas, before you finish your thought, am I wrong in saying or thinking after watching that that Notre Dame is basically Big Ten bad because they're just so slow?
2: Well, I think a conversation very much needs to be had now with Notre Dame getting destroyed in, I believe, six of their last seven New Year's Six Bowls over the past 15 years as to why Notre Dame is accorded respect. You know... I'm 32. I remember when Alabama fans were given unmitigated grief because Alabama was living off the, the coattails of one Paul William Bear Bryant. Well, you know, everyone loves to say, wake up the echoes. Well, Eric Parcesian's not walking through that door. And I think there needs to be a long conversation had about why Notre Dame is given this position of privilege when we now have Decades of data that proves that the position of privilege does not result in compelling product. And if you think for a second that the first expansion from two to four for this college football playoff and then potentially from four to eight over the next couple of years is not focused on getting good product on television screens to get people to watch and sell ads to, I don't really have anything to say to you because you're a freaking moron. So, I, I don't I don't understand why this is. I think your Big Ten bad is apropos, and it just it, it's very frustrating to me at this point. I didn't expect Notre Dame to keel over like they did. And yes, I kind of buy into Brian Kelly's oh it was only four plays different. Well, if it's only four plays, you should be able to win fifty percent of them, and you got absolutely smoked on all four of those plays. So I don't really buy it anymore. To answer your question, Drew.
0: Well, and so, Thomas, I'll let you give your pick first. How do you see this game against Alabama and Clemson? Certainly, I think it's probably the most well-rounded team since Georgia. We know Georgia gave Alabama a lot of problems. Of course, a lot of that had to do with Tua Tungvalu being injured, but Jalen Hurts did a hell of a job and saved the team. How, what do you see in this matchup in your mind? Well, the thing about Dexter
2: Lawrence being out and he will almost certainly continue to be suspended because the NCAA popped him for a performance-enhancing drug, which means he's out for a year. He's going to get the Will Greer treatment, essentially.
0: Well, he'll go into the NFL. For, for yes. Sure he would have anyway, yes. But, but I, I'm just saying, he's not. it would astound me if he's available for no, this he game. he won't be. All three of these guys are gone, just like Alabama, so that's wiped out. So the question that I had once that suspension was
2: announced is does the absence of Dexter Lawrence mean that Notre Dame in the first case and now Alabama in the second case, will they be able to run the ball efficiently? What do I mean when I say efficiently? Average at least four yards per carry on every run. And not an 80-yard touchdown and, you know, 10 minus one-yard runs to drop your average. You know, three here, five there, four here, six here, seven there, you know, maybe a tackle for loss because the defensive line's good enough for Clemson to do that. Clemson was able to prevent Notre Dame from doing that, which really got them out of sorts. I don't really know if that's something that Clemson can lean on, and it's something they're going to have to lean on, because one of the things that was said in the ESPN Notre Dame Clemson broadcast is that instead of Notre Dame game planning to double team Dexter Lawrence on every, at least every running play, they could double team Christian Wilkins, which is the other excellent defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers. So is Alabama going to be able to be, to run efficiently without Lawrence? I think it's a distinct possibility. Clemson's rushing defense has been excellent this year in terms of yards per play is given up. They're, awesome in that sense, but I don't know if it's going to be able to hold up because, you know, Lester Cotton put it to you this way, Drew, if Deontay Brown was playing for Alabama, Alabama would run Clemson over. I don't know how it's going to work with Lester Cotton, but I think Alabama will find enough success on the ground that they will be able to find balance against this Clemson team. And I really think the secondary doesn't want to see the Alabama RPO game. If, if, Clem- if Clemson tries to squat on the routes like Oklahoma chose not to do, Jerry is going to blow the top off. If they, def- if they give Alabama inside release, it's going to be RPOs all night. On the other side of the coin, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a superstar quarterback. Let's, let's just get that out of the way. There's a decent chance that Tua Tonga-Vailoa, when he comes out, will be the number one overall pick next year. And there's just as good a chance that Trevor Lawrence will be the number one overall pick the next year. He's considered that good right now. But and you know if you if you hear it once, you hear it a thousand times. No quarterback likes pressure through the a gaps right in their face. There's not a quarterback on earth once that, that likes it. Tom Brady doesn't like it. Lamar Jackson doesn't like it. Tua Tonga-Vailoa doesn't like it. Trevor Lawrence doesn't like it. And what have we seen from the interior of the Alabama defensive line consistently, particularly when Quinn and Williams is in the game? We have seen Quinn and Williams destroy interior offensive lines. If Williams is able to do that, long night for the Tigers because they like to take shots because Trevor Lawrence has a very live arm. Hard to do that when you make him uncomfortable. We haven't seen him very uncomfortable yet, but certainly within the realm of possibility. Having said all of that, drew, I think Alabama wins this game, but it's going to be another classic there's, there, there there's too much talent on both sides of the field for this not to come down to five minutes left in the fourth quarter if you ask me
0: well, and uh, I'll say this, uh, Thomas, before I go and get Williams thoughts, what is your score prediction since we're going we're doing our preview tonight, and we won't be coming back to the listeners uh, until after this game. I have Alabama.
2: Thirty-eight, thirty-five. Alabama in one of the in one of the rare twists. Alabama wins it through a field goal.
0: Oh lord, talking about some yeah. maylocks there. Well, I'll uh, I'll 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 give my thoughts, but I'm going to go back to William first. William, I know uh, that uh, you you felt like there were some areas where Alabama could exploit Clemson in, in this game, uh, and 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 I know you felt like that they that they even with even with Dexter Lawrence in the lineup, that their run defense was suspect?
1: Well, you know, and I'm glad that he brought this up because I knew there was another reason why I felt like maybe Alabama shouldn't, you know, really try and be balanced in this game. And I looked it up while Thomas was talking. Um, the, the the same head coach, um, and, and let me just say this, um, will Muschamp will have a job for the rest of his life at South Carolina if he wins eight or nine balls. Oh, so I, you know, I agree with that. I stuff. agree with that.
0: Let me preface the by
1: <laughs> agreeing with that. I just I just don't think he'll <laughs> ever
0: win a championship. Let me just say that.
1: But that that being said, I'm glad Thomas brought that up uh, because with a very average quarterback in Jake Bentley mm. and with just one good wide receiver in Debo Samuel. Right. Uh, South Carolina was able to put up 510 yards of passing, and Jake Bentley had five touchdowns on this Clemson secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, not at the beginning of the year over Thanksgiving weekend. Good point. So, to me, we you know we we've been talking about this Clemson secondary all night long, and if Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel can do that. Um, it's, it's frightening in my mind to think what Tua tonga Bailoa and the best wide receivers and, and tight end in college football can do. Um, you know, Thomas brought up the RPO game. Um, you know, it, it, I, I just think, um, you know, the, the and if you want to look at it, um, great story. I'm, I'm, you know, proud of Dabo for taking care of him. But the fact that Kevin Turner's son, Nolan, Um, plays as much in nickel and dime situations as he does tells me all I need to know. Um, I think the deep middle of that, that defensive secondary for, for Clemson um, can be had early and often, Um, you know, whether or not Alabama can impose their will on that defensive line and run the football. um, We'll have to wait and see. I think they can. I think Thomas brings up a great point. Um, You'd have to decide from watching film. If, uh, You know, Cotton, which I think he can can handle. Lawrence as a backup one-on-one, and you double-team Christian Wilkins. Um, You know, I I like actually, you know, counter plays and zone plays to the outside of that defense much much better than I do running up into the guts of it. Um, You're you're you're, you know you're accenting the two best offensive linemen and Jonah Williams and Jedrick Wills in run-blocking situations versus the weaker point of, that defense, of the offensive line with the three interior guys. Um, as far as the score prediction, um, I, I think it might be a good ball game up until halftime, but I think Alabama's 10 to 14 points better than Clemson. Um, I, I see it 42 to 28.
0: Well, I see it 34-24, to and I agree with you, William. I think if Alabama plays their best game, they're going to win this game by uh, 10 to 14 points. I think they're better than Clemson. Uh, I respect Trevor Lawrence and I respect Dabo and I think they have a good defense, but I think Alabama uh they I think they will defend Lawrence better than they did Kyler Murray. He's not a, a super mobile guy and this is a pro style attack. They've got to stop atN. Uh, I think they can scheme around if they if they don't have Christian Miller for you know uh, only for if it's only on third down or even not at all. I think they can figure some things out. I think the secondary will bounce back. I still think Alabama's secondary is much better than Clemson's, uh, and I and I do think their O line is a little overrated. And I thought Alabama controlled what was supposed to be a great offensive line from Oklahoma. Quinn and Williams will, of course, have several days off to recover. Uh, certainly, uh, I, and he's uh, he's been disruptive. Nobody's been able to block him all year long. I don't. I think he'll be able to make some plays uh, against Clemson as well. So I think Alabama can win the game inside out, and that's how they do it. Uh, and I just think Alabama's skill guys are better than Clemson. I understand T. Higgins had, made a, it made some nice plays out of Mario Rogers and Justin Ross, uh, but I still take Alabama's receivers all day long. I think Alabama has the best ones. They do have a much better tight end uh, in Irv Smith, who I think can exploit some matchups, and I think Tua Aloa can be nails again. I mean, he's already, uh, he, I believe he broke the single season passing yards record last night. Uh, he's and he's now got 41 touchdown passes, near, still still near 70% completions. And Alabama's got a secret weapon, too, in Jalen Hurts and how they can use him. And I don't think we've brought this up, William, but correct me if I'm wrong. Clemson's got kind of a shaky kicking game, maybe shakier than Alabama's.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: I mean, you know, I know
1: Drew, they're pun- – I, I just haven't seen them play enough this year. I mean, I watched them play against a and I watched that whole game. Um, just just because of the way the score and the, right, the points right. were going down. Um, I watched a lot of them versus South Carolina at the end of the year, but I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, I, I was a little bit uh, baffled there last night. I, I thought that uh, they had kind of gone away from both of us um, and, and had gone back to the, the Temple Austin transfer Jones, and kicker. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it looked like, I guess, during bowl practice, both of us got better, and they decided to you know, to ride him out um, uh, last night. But, um, you know, I, I just think if, if two is anywhere close to what he was last night, um, I, I just think that Alabama's two touchdowns better than Clemson. I, I could be here when we do this show again in two weeks, whenever it is, uh, singing a different tune, but I doubt it.
0: Well, and I I believe it looked to me like to to answer your
1: question real quick, drew.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It looked like to me, their punter was struggling. I'm just, Oh, their
2: punters. Their punter is, is, is Skylar DeLong bad. Um, And, and they they have a good place kicker because that guy's been there essentially as long as Hunter Renfro. They're, they're, they're both going to Hunter and the place kicker are both going to graduate with PhDs and some kind of, (laughs) you know, applied basket weaving, but, Anyway, that, that just to answer your question, and we saw that in Notre Dame, that, that Townsend guy was just destroying punts, and Clemson was losing field position on every exchange, particularly in the first half. I did want to pose a question, then I'll shut up again, I promise. One of the things that kind of drives me nuts about Trevor Lawrence, he's got all the all the ability in the world, I think. Having said that, how many defenses has he truly had to read with elite athletes on the back end? Right. I would argue, I would argue the only ones even in the conversation are South Carolina because Texas A&M is hot garbage. Their secondary is bad. Alabama is going to be bringing dudes on a different level than, than Lawrence has seen trying to fit in these windows,
0: and they're going to compress a little bit, at least I
2: think so. But what are your thoughts on that, uh, Drew?
0: Well, you know, I do think that Alabama has got a much better defense than what Clemson has seen. Uh, you know, they, they had trouble early in the year with A&M, and early in the year Lawrence wasn't ready because Kelly Bryant had to save them. Well, now they don't have him, but certainly Trevor Lawrence has got some more experience. There's no question about that. And so I I think that, uh, but I do think that Alabama's secondary can learn some things that they did wrong against Oklahoma. And I do think some people are are spinning it like, well, Notre Dame didn't test Clemson. So Clemson's going to be fresher in this and this. I think it's going to be the Alabama's. Uh, you know, benefit to face an offense like Oklahoma's because now they've learned some things about themselves. And and of course, Nick Saban's got enough hell he can raise. There's not going to be any uh, just complacency because we beat because Alabama beat Clemson last year. That's bullshit. There's going to be enough things that we got to clean up and that he's going to be able to raise hell about because. And I mean, and this is a team that can make history. They can be fifteen and zero. The winner of this game is going to be historically, uh, very, you know, historically remembered as one of the best teams ever because of going fifteen and zero. So that's what you got a chance to do. And you know, you don't want Clemson to beat you too uh, and and make it 50-50. You want to be the best program, be three and one. Don't give the media shit to talk about and crush their ass. That's what the 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 uh, uh, the, the message should be. And also to a tongue of Iowa to make another big statement about being the best player in the country, along with, well, I, as I tweeted last night, the best offensive player. Got to give Quentin Williams his respect defensively. I mean, I know he only had somehow one tackle and one pressure in that fucking game last night, but I think everybody knows that he gave that the, the damn center that was a, the true freshman and the rest of those damn uh, interior offensive linemen from Oklahoma, one of them a first-team All-American and a future first-round pick, heart attacks. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't block him until he got winded. So I mean I just really think uh, that if you're the University of Alabama, that's what you got. You got history ahead of you, and if Alabama can, you know, if Bernier can have a solid game punting, and Bullivis was good yesterday, if they can be solid in the kicking game, and then Jalen Waddle, I do think Jalen Waddle, if they'll stop running into the sun bitch, and then they'll and they'll <laughs> set up their returns, then I think and give him a chance to get loose, then I think he can make a big play. And remember. Kenyon Drake's on the front of a, you know, a Daniel Moore painting and a sculpture because of a return against Clemson to ice, you know, the first game in 2015. So I just really think Alabama can win this game. I think they've, and what what I'm encouraged by is Alabama still hasn't played their best game. Okay. They beat Oklahoma, but they didn't play their best game. And so if they play their best game, they're going to kick Clemson's ass. That's the way I look at it. And so I'm pretty confident with this group and what they've got a chance to accomplish. Uh, even over, they would be overcoming more injuries once again. It's the several defensive players, uh, but I just think this team uh, can go down. I don't know if it'll still be considered Nick Saban's best team. It'll be the best offensive team, and this team's an offensive group. And I think they've got a chance to make a statement against a, a quote-unquote great defense from Clemson and leave a legacy. They can be one of the best offenses college football's ever seen. Everybody's before the playoff. Everybody's talking about Oklahoma, and now everybody's going to be talking about. Uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, and what if he can? the, and the, the whole storyline. Well, they change quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, to beat Alabama. Fuck that shit. Beat his ass, and then show who the best team is. So to me, Alabama has got a lot to prove, and they can repeat for the second time. And and honestly, I love Coach Bryant, and I, he he's a legend. But if Nick Saban accomplishes this and wins six out of ten, and and has seven national championships, there is no debate. He's the greatest of all time. Now, there is a small debate now, but there will not be if you get this done, and you will be remembered until the end of time. And so, to me, that's a plenty of motivation to go out and kick the shit out of Clemson. Now,
1: one thing, too, Drew, that, that I was sitting here thinking about, about the game last night that we didn't really talk about, and I do think it could be a big, big key versus Clemson, is it was one thing that I have noticed about trevor lawrence and the few times that i have watched him is the guy does a great job throwing the ball to each hash mark right uh but he does tend to throw some balls down the middle of the field that, that float uh that aren't tight spirals and if you go back last night probably outside of the stupid penalties the second single biggest thing to helped extend uh, I mean, uh, Oklahoma's drives last night was probably two or three dropped interceptions by Deontay Thompson and Xavier McKinney.
0: Good point. Yeah, and a lot of I dropped think, interceptions. And I, think,
1: and, I, and I think both of those guys have an opportunity to make game changing plays. You know, if Lawrence continues to float balls down the deep part of the middle of the field, I think that could be a huge factor.
0: Yeah, it really could. It could be a huge factor. And if Alabama can force two or three turnovers in this game, it would be huge. And I think that's what will happen if they win it. And I think they can limit ATN. He really only had one explosive run against Notre Dame. But if they can limit ATM like they limited Oklahoma, then I think it's going to be very tough for Trevor Lawrence to win this game by himself. Alabama's too balanced. I think they can move the ball on Clemson. And the good thing about it is they're very familiar with Clemson as well. I mean, they've seen – uh, their personnel every year. Clemson has seen Alabama also, but I will say this: Clemson has not seen Tua tungo Viloa in person. And I'm telling you, when you see him, it's different. Every team will tell you that. And so, uh, but I just really think that Alabama can get this job done. I'm really excited about the opportunity to see this team try to go out and finish this drill, have a second chance to be 15 and 0. Just let they let it get away from them. Uh, just slightly, the last time. I mean, it was you know it was a tough situation uh, that they let get away. Uh, they could they should have been fifteen and zero, but certainly uh, Clemson got the job done and finished. I believe it was a uh, fifteen or fourteen and one and won the national championship to, to you know in uh, the rematch. But now they get another shot to go fifteen and zero against this team again, and I really believe that they can get it done. And I think Josh Jacobs is going to be huge, and, and if he continues to play, I said this. That I thought he was leaning toward probably coming back, uh, you know, before the playoff. But if he keeps performing like he did the other day uh, where he had 60 yards receiving and 98 rushing and a touchdown, he will be gone because he'll probably be at the top of the running back board. And I think he could even sneak in the lower part of the first round. I think he's that good. And these scouts are seeing it now on the biggest stage. So I think he'll be huge. Damian Harris, Najee Harris, I think they got a three-headed monster and then with all those receivers out there, Devontae Smith, great point by Thomas about him being healthy now. He really looked good yesterday. Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs. Ruggs didn't have a lot of big plays. We had a great catch for a touchdown. Uh, and certainly Jalen Waddell could be more heavily involved. So I think overall Alabama is the better team, even the more complete team, even though Clemson's very, very good. But I think this Alabama team can be special. And this defense can kind of rewrite their ending, too. I don't think they're elite, but I think they can be at times very, very good. And we'll see what they do against Clemson uh, in this opportunity against them. And I wanted to, you know, one more thing to tell the listeners who uh, may uh, may have seen it or not. It wasn't on TV. The University of Alabama got a big road basketball win tonight. Uh, They were able to beat uh, Stephen F. Austin on the road. It was kind of an unusual road game. But Avery Johnson and the group got their first true road win, 79 to 69 over uh, Stephen F. Austin. So. Nice win for the University of Alabama uh, as uh, they had, I believe, uh, at one time or another. I, I know they had three and double figures. I think Riley Norris had a nice game. But once again, at the power forward spot, the stretch four, Tevin Mack had a nice game, a double-double from Dante Hall. Kyra Lewis, the young freshman, uh, plays very well. and So they get a big win. And they are now 9-3, and three, headed to their SEC opener January the 5th next weekend against the Kentucky Wildcats. And that'll be big as Trendon Watford, the best player in the state of Alabama, will be making his official visit. So we will be monitoring that. We'll have that to talk about. And, of course, hopefully a national championship win, the most important thing right now, the University of Alabama playing in Santa Clara, California. Uh, This coming up uh, Monday, January the 7th, as Alabama will take the field against Clemson. And we will bring you some reaction to that. We don't know an exact date yet, but we will bring you that. And we look forward to talking about that and catching you up on the basketball, and then recruiting is able to get cranked up uh, for the second signing period in February. But I want to thank Thomas Watts. I want to thank William Redfish Barger. We all have Alabama winning. Thomas, 38-35. William, 42-28. I said uh, 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 34-24. We all think the University of Alabama can bring home number uh, you know 18 and the sixth of, or for Nick Saban at Alabama in 10 years and the seventh overall to set a college football record. Uh, and we hope we're able to break that down and uh, relive an unbelievable win for the University of Alabama uh, in several days for you on BAM's radio. But for, we, will, we won't be coming to you again, uh, you know, uh, in, in next week. So we're going to wish everybody a happy new year. We hope you all had a Merry Christmas. And we continue to, uh, you know, uh, thank everyone for the support and, uh, and, of course, listening to BAM's radio. But for Thomas the Wizard Watts and William Redfish Barger, good night, everybody. Roll tied and hopefully about to have the 18th National Championship added to the storied trophy case for the University of Alabama as Clemson, for the fourth time, is up next.